0: How are you, Wayne? Not bad. It's real Wayne. As opposed to fake Wayne. Yes. Or bitch Wayne Or false Wayne. I loved how he got the plug in for uh, the Skies of Glass Metropolis for me. <laughs> Isn't that hysterical? Yeah, fake Wayne plugs things more often than real Wayne. Yeah, but he writes Skies of Glass nonfiction.
1: Yeah, fake Wayne was fun.
0: Real Wayne, not so much. <laughs>
1: no, real Wayne, real Wayne was fine.
2: Oh, fine, but not fun. Did you catch that? Yeah, I, I caught
3: that. Yeah.
1: I I wasn't trying to make a <laughs> distinction.
3: Except fail. when he big timed me.
1: That was that was awesome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's see. I don't have oh wait,
0: here, okay, here's Tim's
3: stuff. Hell yeah,
1: I
2: sent it to
3: you.
0: Yeah, this week was so expensive Book-wise
2: Because you picked up two weeks at the same time?
0: Yeah, and they were oh, neither yeah. one of them were small weeks.
1: <laughs> I tell you I'd do with the twenty dollar bill pick up both weeks at the same time
3: oh yeah. you know what paul does with the twenty dollar bill tip a waitress <laughs> <laughs> yeah captain america man out of time man out of time
2: not nice. not 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 out of time
3: wayne man did you talking. read it
4: yep okay, okay. Uh, hey what right. folder is this soldier zero in? is it in the boom folder i guess that makes yep. sense wouldn't it that would
2: yeah It's in the your ass
4: folder. (laughs) I just want to go ahead and say how much I've missed you
5: guys.
4: (laughs) I really, really have. Actually, I was listening to uh, the the episode that we dropped, and uh, man, it just made me want to want to go back to St. Louis. And I said that I said that yesterday at work.
1: You know, like you know, a week ago I was having an awesome time, and now I'm at my cube,
3: and now I'm here. All right, so we're talking
1: about- less
2: fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, Captain America, man out of time.
2: Man out
3: of
0: time. <laughs>
4: no, 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 no. out of time.
0: Ah. Yeah, I'm the only one that reads it, so we can skip that one.
4: <laughs> no, you can't love- skip it. Aaron has to do that. Uh-huh.
1: No, I, <laughs> we hear it. We did. <laughs> He's, he threw the good. crotch grab in this time. That was hot.
3: <laughs> Justice League Generation Lost, number 22. Yes. And Aaron agrees. I can support that. Son of a bitch. This is the Aaron and Wayne show.
2: Well, as it should be.
4: As it should be. Yeah. Yeah.
2: This is what uh, Wayne and I have been saying all along. <laughs> That's right.
3: We did, did Andrew fix start. his shit? I said, did you fix your shit, your sound? Uh, well, how do I sound? <laughs> you still sound a little douchey. No, I'm just kidding. Could <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you apply your douche filter, please? Yeah. <laughs>
2: with aaron polly tim wayne and andrew
0: i'm aaron i'm Polly. this is wayne this is tim and i'm andrew
2: i don't know about you guys but uh this has been the most brutal week in the history of ever making that transition back from fear the con
0: to real world has been awful
4: going from the highest peak to the lowest valley it's uh it's rough man
0: well and for me the uh all of that sickness I'd been fighting all came back on Sunday. So we go from you know three days non stop action and fun to I can't really get out of bed on the next day. Just thinking about all the fun I just had the last three days.
1: I lost my will to go on. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I have been dying to game all of this time.
1: This was the Sahara in the desert that was my craptastic week.
4: I kinda of so? miss Christine. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Paul, she, have you,
3: has you heard You know, um, no, no, no. Shocker! Shocker. Yeah, I, I, I surely thought that I would I, have like a text message waiting for me when I got off the plane. I mean, I thought you guys had
2: <laughs> chemistry. I really thought you guys were going to
0: make it.
3: You know, not, Apparently, it wasn't true love, Aaron.
0: Okay. I'm well, just excited to all be back on the mic, so I can not acknowledge Paul's existence.
5: <laughs> <laughs> you know i don't
0: think we ever talked about that on any of the mics so at night, i walk in and there's this table there and andrew's there and paul's there and uh i don't think you were there that time tim so no, was, no. were you there i
1: was no i wasn't i came
0: in okay in. i didn't think so because i would recognize tim and i would recognize aaron i've never met paul i would never met andrew so I walk up and I'm having this really awkward conversation that I usually have when I walk into a wing night and I don't know a table full of people that all know who I am because I'm kind of Cause stand out. Because he's super Wayne.
4: <laughs> Cause, yeah, because you're you know you're famous and shit. He's right. he's kind of a big deal. Yeah.
0: Because I'm what? the only redhead in the building. At that point, there were others that showed up later. <laughs> so I walk over to the table. I'm, I'm having these conversations. And Paul's sitting there. and He's like, don't you know who I am? It's sounding to me like he's trying to be the big time one there. <laughs> but at that point, I'm thinking, I have no idea who this guy is, but for some reason I should. His voice is really familiar, but I can't place it. I just can't place it because it wasn't echoing. If it was echoing, I would have had it. <laughs> now, did, did,
2: did he introduce himself to you as Paul from the internet?
3: <laughs> <laughs> no. What I should have done is I should have said, I'm Paul from Aaron Head's blog, of Yeah. <laughs>
0: We're going to get you a T-shirt that says that, Paul.
3: <laughs> I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> so I've been harassed by all of you guys ever since for not knowing who Paul was.
3: Not only not knowing, Why? but we're like, hey, have a seat. And you're like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I <didn't walk> <laughs> and, and then when we got loud and started bashing our drinks on the table, someone came over and it's like, you having a good time? Uh, having a bit to drink? <laughs> <laughs> someone
2: being Dan. <laughs>
3: We had too much energy for a uh, wing night. Apparently, that's what it was.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, that's because we turned over our cups whenever we finished a drink and yelled "thistle down." ap dot com. I
0: I think I made up for it by stealing Paul's chair later in the night and by actually gaming with him on Saturday. Or yeah, on Saturday morning, first
4: slot.
1: You did get props for that, Wayne. I will give you that.
4: <laughs> I gotta tell you, Wayne was. I mean, uh, Tim was just a fantastic GM. What I've been told. Was- I mean, I played in one of his games. Paul, did what? Do you think? I don't know. No. What did I no. think? I mean, but did you enjoy, was, was Tim a good, good DM? Did you enjoy playing <laughs> oh, just, in Tim's
3: game? Yes. Tim was a, I, I played in two of, actually, Tim, you only had two games, but I played in both of your games. And they were fun. I had a blast.
4: And did Aaron, how did you enjoy playing in, in Tim's game?
2: Oh, yeah, Tim was great. I, I that was probably, that's probably one of the best games I've ever been in. Um, uh, <laughs> Shaw. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. E, this is awkward. Um, <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm going to bury this joke right now, just as I bury just as I bury a hatchet in Aaron's face.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, Paul, it's been a week since Fear the Con, your first real experience, your first deep dive into role playing.
3: Ball's first
2: week removed from it. What are you thinking?
3: I'm uh, I'm thinking I'm definitely going to go back next year. I you know I, I had a great time. I'm, I'm thinking I miss our pancake puppies. Oh. and that's yeah. not a sexual reference. It's not like I you know <laughs> teabag or anything.
0: That's, that's right. Because really the next thing on your list is you miss the sex.
3: I do miss the sex, but not as much as the pancake puppies. Oddly enough. <laughs> 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 yeah, we hit we hit Denny's <laughs> each uh, each morning. Um, I say each morning, all two of them, and uh, you know we, we got our pancake puppy on. No one had no one had tried them before, but by the end we had like six orders of pancake puppies.
4: Yeah, they were good.
0: That gives me a year to forget what Paul looks like.
2: I really enjoyed Fear the Con, and I had gone up to Paul's room to ask him a question. And as I approached the door, I heard him and Andrew in the room, and I could hear Andrew singing to Paul. And and if I recall, the words went something like this: "I'm gonna make love to Holly. <laughs> I'm gonna lay you down by the fire." And caress your heavenly body and make you moan and perspire.
4: You know, I'd like like to make up the story about going down to your room, but you lived uh, down in the scary dungeon, so I wasn't going anywhere near your room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: I I was down in the dungeon. It was scary down there.
3: Well, what's sad is... um, you know, we talked. If you listen to last week's episode, we talked about how no one had been on the first floor of that building yet, mm-hmm. and we never
4: got around to doing it.
2: Well, like I said, I went down and there was a door, and I just was afraid to open that door.
4: I think that's you... where they keep the bodies, Paulie. I think they keep the Paulies on the first floor. The Paulies. <laughs> the, <polly's>. the bodies. <laughs> the that's why I call <laughs> bodies Paulies. <Polly's.
3: laughs> Actually, I think that's probably where they keep the Cthulhu penis. <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> you really have no excuse, Bob, because we all know you like some Cthulhu
3: penis. Uh, you know, uh, I, I actually bought Neonomicon number four this week. It was the last issue of the series. What is wrong with you? There was no nudity, no Cthulhu penis. It was just like a regular comic book. Ugh, horribly I disappointing. Like, I was. I was like, huh, there's sure a lot of talking in this issue. And not a whole bunch of penis. Yeah. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it, I bought this book for cock. Is that, is that what it was? <laughs> Essentially, you know, it's like we had a we had an issue of uh, orgy rape porn. Then we had the Cthulhu penis, and then we had um, talking, lots of talking, a little bit more. Well, maybe talking. maybe they were
2: like tired after all that Cthulhu penis and rape porn.
3: <laughs> maybe, maybe.
1: You know, I can just see Paul yelling at his comic. Where's my dick? But you know who, <laughs> but you know who got some dick this week? Warren Beatty got some dick. Woo! <laughs>
3: That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys – does anybody on the podcast like the original Dick Tracy movie that Warren Beatty did? No. No. Seriously? Okay. I love that movie. It was all right. Ooh. I love that movie. I hate that movie. Well, like, since that movie came out – what was it, 21 years ago? <laughs> Warren Beatty has been fighting for the rights to do a sequel. He just got them. So now we can get a 74-year-old Dick Tracy <laughs> – yeah, he's so only this is, the tooth. Th- these are
4: the adventures of Dick Tracy in the nursing home. Then, obviously. Yeah,
0: apparently. but I don't want a seventy-four-year-old Dick.
4: <laughs> Not many people do, except for Warren. You didn't Bay say D. that <laughs>
1: last week, Wayne.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: That's awkward. all I had. Um, yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> so
3: Warren Beatty's doing a Dick Tracy sequel. There we go. Yeah, there's a lot of Dick in this uh, podcast, apparently. <laughs> well, it, there's <laughs> a little. You're, ma- you're making dick. up for it,
2: for which you didn't get in Neonomicon. So.
3: Yeah. Exactly. But there's no Cthulhu dick in this episode. I'm sorry. We'll see what we can do later on. Yeah. Neonomicon 2, Electric Boogaloo should feature all the Cthulhu penis my heart desires.
2: Well, you know, it can it can re edit in, you know, bonus feature, director's cut. You know, <laughs> the <laughs> circumcised Cthulhu penis.
3: I'm just gonna take uh, a crayon and draw it in. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah, good times. So you know we're going to be talking about a whole you know ton of comics this week because we, we, you know really we've got two weeks worth of new releases to talk about and so we've had to trim the list down you know to, in order to uh, accommodate it within the you know appropriate amount of time. I actually had a problem getting my comics this week because you know I picked up uh, last week's books when I when I left the airport on Sunday, but I, I was so busy at the office I couldn't get over. So I sent my wife to go get my comics for me this week. Wow, that's a big mistake. <laughs> well, and I, and I sent a note to my comic guy going, "Hey, my wife's coming to pick up my books for me this week. Don't let her put anything back." I
0: imagine, I imagine your comic shop putting extra stuff in the bag when she hears that. <laughs> well, she got there, and you know, she said,
2: "Hey, you know, I'm Aaron's wife. I'm here to pick up his books. I understand he's prepaid for them," <laughs> which, of course, you know, I had not, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, my, my wife is not so much in, in going to the comic shop. You know, she supports my hobbies, but you know, she she's she's a little creeped out by the comic shop. And uh she came home last night and handed me my books and she said, you know, really, I'd have been more comfortable picking up porn for you. And I said I said, Okay, could you get me Batman Triple X, Superman Triple X, and Star Trek The Sex Generation? <laughs> <laughs> She didn't uh, she go for that. So.
1: Why do I have this image of this hot pink Power Wheels and Galactus driving in the Dallas-Fort Worth area to go get your comics next time? Possibly. G- give me heads, comics, for he is power incarnate.
2: <laughs> I just like the whole give me head part.
3: Wow. <laughs> yeah, I That's uh, Grand the Theft Auto, Auto Galactus. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That 18-inch purple guy just stole my Pinto. (laughs) (laughs) And my hooker. (laughs) I'm more upset about the Pinto.
3: (laughs) You know, I'm trying to look for the episode. There was an episode where I sent my wife to get my comics, and Aaron gave me all sorts of bullshit about it. I,
2: I wouldn't do that, Paul. That's completely unlike me.
3: Someone who's listened to every episode of this podcast, put in the put in the, the, the comments section. That way we get a comment on this week's episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what episode it was in which Aaron made fun of me for making my wife get my comics?
2: What I like What's... is that your call out is someone who's listened to every episode of this podcast, which is clearly not anyone <laughs> on this show. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Even the guy who edits it, he fell asleep <laughs> at least on two of these things.
2: <laughs> that That is true. <laughs> okay, so why don't we talk about some comic books? What? I know. I know. It seems crazy. But uh, you know, Marvel is hip deep in their Point .1 initiative. And so I did something I haven't done in a good long while. I picked up an X book because Uncanny X-Force 5.1 came out. And, you know, I was like, you know, I, I'm kind of out there on the edge of what's going on with the X-Men and and the mutants and, and all those crazy, wack, wacky, angsty teenagers. Um, so I picked up that point .1. And I know you did, too, Paul.
3: I did. I did. Actually, I picked up 3.1 issues in the last two weeks. Uncanny X-Force, Captain America, and Thor.
2: Well, and I got Captain America as well, and I did not catch that Thor came out this week, so I'll probably swing back and grab that. As far as this whole point one thing is going, what do you think?
3: You know, um, you know, and I posted a review on the first couple of ones on the site. Uh, I think I've I've read every single one: uh, Wolverine, Iron Man. Um, I thought there was not there's one I'm missing besides Spider Man, mm-hmm. um, and I think thus far they've been just one big disappointment for me. Yeah, I don't. You know, I
2: I am way outside. You know what's going on in the X books. And so uh, uncanny x force five point one was a really a, a nice window for me, or should have been a nice window i I should say um and boy i I didn't have a sense of what was going on at all, other than you know these uncanny x force guys are are kind of badass, except you know strangely enough, Wolverine gets his ass handed to him by uh you know a lady, so um <laughs> not particularly impressed with this book.
3: Yeah, and I, you know, uh, Wayne and I have been reading Uncanny X Force, and uh, the the first storyline really impressed both of us. Not so much the second storyline yet, and uh, this point one was it was okay. I thought. I mean, I I liked some of the ideas of it, but as an entryway into the series, right? Not at all. I mean, not at all.
0: That first storyline was so incredible, and it's it's just like they're stumbling after that. How can we get better than what we just did? They apparently can't.
3: Yeah, and and, and if the five point one is clearly indicative of that, I mean, there's some good moments in it, but overall, it just like Aaron said, you know, if you're not currently reading X Force or involved in any of the X Men characters, you're really not going to get much what's going on in here.
2: And and what's the what's the woman's name with the long, spindly claws? Is that Lady Deathstrike?
3: Yes. Okay.
2: So it like i said it's been a good long while since i've read the x men but i was just startled to see that you know wolverine reveals that he's got real fear of her that she scares him you know wolverine she scares him yeah <laughs> um and so i i was like well i wonder if that's something that they've had going on all the way through or is that just something that came up in this story can you guys comment on that
0: uh, she hasn't been in the book
3: yeah, this is her first. I mean, this is the first time she's popped up in X Force. If it happened before X Force, I don't know.
2: I was, you know, I, I thought the book had some nice fight scenes. You know, I, I thought there was some nice action in the book, particularly when Lady Deathstrike, you know, stabs her claws through uh, uh, Wolverine's face.
3: Yes, that was cool.
2: And the, and and Betsy cutting off people's hands. You know, also kind of kind of neat. But beyond that, I didn't feel like there was nothing in this book that made me want to go. Oh, I'm going to get the next one. You know, There wasn't anything in here that, that made me feel like I wasn't just reading in the middle of an existing
3: story. Not only that, I thought these Point one issues were supposed to give you a preview of what's to come. Um, like in the Amazing Spider-Man one and in the Iron Man ones, they both had this year on Iron Man or this year in Amazing Spider-Man. They had a little preview of images of things to come. Those are the only two that have done it. And um, the other two that I'd read, Captain America and Thor – Okay, so Captain America is written by Ed Brubaker um, with art by Mitch Breitweiser. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't an awful book, but it it features Captain America taking down someone who's wearing the Captain America costume, uh, you know, who wants to take over for him because Bucky's in jail, I guess.
2: Oh, is that what? There's no mention of Bucky in this book. Yeah. I was like, is it like, you know, Bucky Cap never happened? I was real disoriented by that.
3: Yeah, exactly. There's no explanation of it. You know, it's and it's a story that we've read before, mm-hmm. you know, um, a billion times. In fact, the the two America storyline mm-hmm. right after Siege was right. very similar to this. You know, someone taking over Cap's uniform and you know doing a piss poor job with it. It just, you know, th- this issue was, I thought, just kind of mediocre. And again, not a good entry point into the series.
2: Yeah. Well, and I also think it's a mistake. You know, the the the, the book wraps up with Nick Fury being revealed as having manipulated Steve Rogers into this situation and drawing Sharon Carter into his manipulation. And you know, that is such a, uh, an element of a deeper backstory. I just, I I got it because I'm, I'm familiar. I'm much more familiar with captain America than I am with say the X-Men. But, uh, I, I think it was a mistake in terms of trying to bring new readers in. I also think that the art style was not probably the most accessible.
3: You know, I didn't mind the art in general like for a regular for a, a noir book. Yeah. I think it would work, but for Captain America?
2: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean I I think this this is a style of art that I think works real well for a book like Alias or The Pulse. Um mm-hmm. But I, I did not feel that it that it particularly served Captain America very well. And if, I, if if you're looking to bring new readership in, I don't think that's the kind of style you want to go for with Captain America. So.
3: Well, and so the other one I read was Thor 620.1. And I should have known it was going to be an issue when Matt Fraction, the regular writer on the Thor series, didn't even write it. It's written by Abnett and Lanning. With art by Mark Brooks.
0: All right, and, at this uh, point, it's sounding better than the regular book.
1: Yeah, you but, know, Paul, I, I saw that, and I, I actually flipped through it. I mean, I didn't pick it up because of the issues we've been having with these point ones, but I at least gave it a try when I saw it was not Fraction.
3: Well, i got to admit, it, it's not a horrible, horrible book. <laughs> but but the the big thing about it is that it, literally, it reads a lot like those Marvel Adventures books. No. Oh, um yeah. those all ages titles and the art is like an all ages title. I mean it, it it has nothing to do with what's going on in Thor right now. It doesn't give you a, a preview of anything. You know, it's a little bit of a jumping on it's not even a jumping on point. Like they try they have these big two page spreads that show everything that happened, but they don't really tell you what led up to this, you know, issue. And you know, it features an appearance by the the Grey Gargoyle, I guess is the bad guy's name. And again, you know, it's just like a done-in-one comic book. It, it, I, I don't see it as having anything to do with the major, the main series. You know, I, when I saw Abnett and Landing on it, I'm like, okay, well, maybe they're taking over Thor, but they're not. Matt Fraction staying on, so Sad. I don't. This isn't like a jumping-on point at all. You know, I, I, I don't understand what the purpose of this one was. This almost felt like they pulled out a catalog story that they had in the back burner, or something that they had for playing for Marvel Adventures. Well, and. I you know, I, I think what
2: we're seeing is kind of what we see a lot with, with with the two with the big two publishers is that they had a really good idea, but they've not executed it well on all fronts, you know. And I think Dan Slot did a fantastic job on his point one, but you know, seeing these other ones roll out, they're just really not not meeting the standard that that Slot set. Because I don't find these, I really I don't find these books welcoming at all you know yeah. and i and I wanted to have a good you know uh window into Captain America. I wanted to have a good window into the X universe, and neither one of those books provided it to me
3: and um the i I say the one I've enjoyed the most was Wolverine, I think five Point one or something like that. Mm-hmm. That book was awesome and it was a lot of fun, but again is it, it, it was more of a done in one tale more than an entry point into the series. It was Wolverine's birthday. And it was, you know, written as a very funny storyline, which is not what's going on in the Wolverine stories right now. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I think this Point One initiative, as if we're, if they're trying to bring people into comics, it's a big failure.
0: And yeah, I think the biggest the failure. Fail- I think the biggest failure is not grabbing the actual creative team on the book. I mean, if you want to give someone a preview of this is what the book is like, then you should have the people that are writing the book do yep. it.
2: That is the same thing I've complained about some of the previews that we've seen in Amazing Spider Man, like the Spider Girl preview and the Venom preview. Uh were both fantastic, both written by Dan Slot, and then you get into the actual books and they're written by some other guy and the feel is completely different. Yeah. So you know, I think you're spot on there, Wayne. You know, it's like a bait and switch. It really is. It
3: really is. Yeah, and you know, the writers are generally the same. Um Thor wasn't, but Captain America is Brew Baker. Uncanny X Force was Romander. But as far as regular creative team, I think the only books that have had the actual creative team were Spider-Man and um, Iron Man. And Iron Man sucked anyway. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was clearly indicative of what you're going to get in the regular series, which is not Iron Man action. Clearly
2: indicative of the crap you're going to get over here.
3: Exactly. So, I mean, I, I got to say these point ones, just one big disappointment for me.
2: So
1: it was, bad. An oppurt- it was an opportunity lost. Yeah. Just like a Generation Lost. And Generation Lost 22 came out this week. Aaron and Wayne, you guys have been been riding the, the Generation Lost train for a while, reminiscing about Booster Gold. How was is this issue?
0: You know what this issue had? This issue had Batman.
3: Did it have Cthulhu penis?
0: It did not have Cthulhu penis. <laughs> but Well, it had a Cthulhu strap-on penis.
3: Oh, okay. We're good then. <laughs> it's just not the same. <laughs> well, you know, if you take what you can get.
2: <laughs> well, I, I you know for the two issues prior, we were all you know uh, concerned. The characters were all concerned. I should say that Blue Beetle had been shot in the head and was dead. And so the very last page of the last book, B- Blue Beetle stood up and said, "Hey guys, I know what Max Lord's up to," and it's hysterical because this thing opens up just seconds after with you know all with blue beetle being disoriented because all the heroes are screaming at him and you know he's being held up in the air by captain adam and he's just he doesn't understand why everyone's so freaked out to see him and uh
0: you know they're like well you were dead and he's like wait what (laughs) i love it there's this wonderful awkward panels where they're all holding him and yelling and screaming and he just screams out will you all shut up and then there's two panels of Nobody saying anything and just staring at him until he asked him, "Could you please put me down?" It, it, the uh, scene is fantastic, and turns out he
2: wasn't really dead. The armor uh, shattered the bullet before it could penetrate his brain, but it did. Like cause we him- called four, you know, that's right. Three issues ago, however many episodes ago, sure. here armor put him in stasis, which is why you know nobody could find a pulse. Now he's all better, but and now. You know, Max Max Lord's like a Cylon Cylon because he has a plan. Blue Beetle knows the plan.
0: But that's okay because when you're dealing with someone who has a plan, you bring in someone who has a better plan. That's right. Enter the Batman. You know, I think we're probably – we're missing part of the story because we're not reading uh, Brightest Day. Right. Apparently Batman somehow touched the White Lantern at some point, and now he knows everything. He knows that Wonder Woman isn't supposed to be like this. He knows that – he knows who Max Lord is. He's got the full laydown. He knows he that has... the
2: Superman comic is lame.
0: <laughs> well, you don't need to see the boy letter to tell that. <laughs> but yeah, It was interesting seeing, because the more I thought about it, this was the JLI of the time. Yes, it the was. only characters we're really missing, we don't have Guy, which is fine with me because I hate Guy, and we don't have uh, Martian Manhunter. I, Other Guy than...
1: like Guy doesn't like you either,
0: Wayne. I'm just going to let which you know. Which is fine. He and I talk. <laughs> there is this
2: wonderful scene where uh, you know no none of the JLIers know who Wonder Woman is. You know because Wonder Woman's been you know her storyline seems to be diverted from uh, uh, the main DC storyline, and so you know actually I'm sorry the JLI guys know but like Power Girl doesn't, and you know so Power Girl's like you know who's this Wonder Woman. And, you know, they're like, crap, you know, because they've been dealing with folks not knowing who folks are, like not knowing who Max Lord is because he wiped everybody's memory. And so Rocket Red and uses this hologram generator to approximate what Wonder Woman would look like. And it's hysterical. <laughs> I mean, you know, gigantic boobs and, you know, with great big stars on her chest uh, I, I, I just loved it, you know, and it's the variation between her current costume and her old costume. Uh, I found it particularly
0: amusing. Yeah. And this, this actually ties in pretty well with what's going on over in Wonder Woman. I mean, I think the two books are going to kind of come to a head together. I really do think Max Lord is, is going to have been at least partially responsible for what's happened to Wonder Woman.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I, the story's really strong. I th- guess we're what? two issues out before this is over 24
0: issues i mean it takes them 22 issues chasing him down all this time you bring him batman he'll be done in a couple issues yeah
2: well and you know the, the book it ends with you know batman trying to bring wonder woman into uh protective custody and of course you know she's an amazon she's used to kicking ass she doesn't need to be protected she doesn't need your your uh you know protection batman Until the sky erupts with hundreds and hundreds of OMAX uh, streaming down
0: to kill Wonder Woman. There's this great scene in there, too, where Wonder Woman and Batman are talking. Batman knows who she is. She knows of him because he's Batman. But she doesn't remember him because she's never met him in this reality. But he knows exactly who she is. And they're having this conversation. And all of the rest of the JLI, except for Booster, are all hidden very poorly on the next roof. Mm -hmm. And she's just... At one point, she just calls it out. I don't know who I don't know who either of you are, and I don't know who those guys over there on the other roof in the bad costumes are. <laughs> yeah, it's a good book. Yeah. It's a good book.
2: I, I, you know, one of the th- scenes that I thought was nice, uh, nicely effective in that part of the book was, you know, Max is activating uh, Omax around the world, and you know, it cuts to Los Angeles and Johannesburg and China and England, and it shows these people, you know, because the Omax. The OMAC virus inhabits normal civilians until it's activated and they turn into an OMAC. Um and you see these people just in the middle of their of their lives, you know, making the change and then jumping into battle. And it's hundreds of these things. So next issue looks to be fun and messy. Question for you. Um Wayne, did you notice that ad for uh uh the zombie book, you know, zombie with an X? Yeah. I see that's coming out this month. I haven't seen it. It must be coming out this coming week. I don't think it's come out yet. But um, it is the first new monthly series from the Milestone characters that, uh, you know, uh, Dwayne McDuffie uh, created and that DC bought uh, about a year or so ago.
0: So, uh, I would I'm kind I never of, got that from that ad either.
2: Yeah, I noticed they, there's nothing on here where they're referencing Milestone, but I I, I never read the old zombie book uh, back in the 90s, but you know, I remember it from that from that uh, imprint from Milestone.
3: Now, Zombie Number 1 did come out. It came oh, has, out, um, did it come out March 16th. Oh, ah, okay. And uh, I didn't realize that. Honestly, I would have picked it up because uh, the ad interests me and I didn't realize it was a Milestone character either. Ah. Well, but, I will uh, pick you know, that up
2: then. I did, yeah, me too. I, I just I just assumed it hadn't come out yet because I hadn't seen it. But I will grab that because I'm I'm really interested in, in what DC is going to do with the milestone characters. You know who's not a
0: milestone character? Amazing Spider-Man.
3: Uh, yeah, that was that was kind of lame, Wayne. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I learned it by watching you.
3: I know, but. <laughs>
0: no <laughs> speaking of disappointing you know what book i didn't get this week because i picked up two weeks at once and didn't realize it was out last week amazing spider-man
4: missed a good one
1: Well, we're gonna go page by page just to hose you wayne so the first page is the page with the daily bugle on the front <laughs>
4: and, uh, and it says
3: massacre <laughs> <laughs> so uh well what do you guys think of amazing spider-man 656 it's the second part of that uh no one dies storyline, where uh, Spider-Man has declared that when he's around, no
4: one dies. So on so. one hand, I I really liked parts of it. I really liked how the loss of his spider sense affects just more than knowing when when danger is. At one point, you know he shoots his webbing and he accidentally gets some drywall and it just breaks off and he he face plants in the pavement. So his spider tracer doesn't work anymore. I really kind of enjoy how it's a, had a wide range of effects on his uh, uh, abilities. On the other hand, the whole I'm going to save everybody, I think, is a little a little cheesy.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm you know, the, this whole no one dies, no one dies. Yeah, it's a little. Um, I, I think it's a little hokey, to be honest with you.
1: I really hope somebody dies every single issue until he's like, <laughs> you know what. I can't. I, I'm not God. I can't do that.
4: He needs to be more realistic.
2: Well, I want. I'm just ready for him to have that psychotic break. And it's like, okay, no one dies. Everyone dies.
5: That's
2: what I'm <laughs> you know, and he starts off by smothering Aunt May with a pillow. <laughs> oh, That's dark. That's what I'm looking for. I, was That's awesome.
1: for. I was hoping for him to say no one dies except the paladin and put his face <laughs> the guy's face. That, that I've never liked crazy. you, paladin. Yeah. What's up with your costume, jackass? <laughs> oh. The doctor's in. No. Uh. <laughs> I, I, I agree with Andrew. I, I really don't like the fact that he took his spider sense away, but I do like the the repercussions of that choice. I, I like the fact that he, he gets plugged, and, you know, it, it, you're right. He takes out a police car.
4: His whole strategy with Massacre the first time is, you know, I got a spider tracer on him. He t- tells the police to stand down and let this guy get away. And then when they're tracing them, in the, heat of the moment, he just relies on that, and then when he gets down, they're like, "Well, which way did he go?" When they're down the sewers, he realizes he has no idea because it's all about his uh, spider sense.
3: Right. Yeah, I thought there's, that was funny. Like, there's there's
1: there's two other things I got to hit on before I'm done. i I can I can wrap this book up, and they're both Jay Jonah Jameson points. The first one is he's he's having this press conference talking about the people that uh, that this that this guy named Massacre killed. Um, and he sees this little boy whose mom died, and he tell he tells the kid, I'm that guy. I'm going to we're going to kill him. He's he's done. And so you see him, you know, with, with another scene, you know, basically saying it's death penalty time for anybody that takes a life in this city is kind of the vibe you're getting. Yeah. And then at the end, when Spider-Man tells Jay Jonas Jameson, his whole when I'm around, no one dies, and that's the way it's going to be jay jonah Jamison basically flips out on him that was pretty cool too
4: the line jay jonah has where he goes you know i i always thought you were a threat a menace but i was wrong about you you're an effing idiot and spider-man just goes swinging away
1: <laughs> so, I, i'm glad that i'm glad that he said the same thing that we all were thinking
4: yeah that's like, it's, it's, it's you, like you
1: are
3: you are being ridiculous so what you guys think of the uh, bulletproof costume
2: I like that we're seeing that you know Peter's applying his scientific knowledge to help out his his uh, Spider-Man business, but I don't want to see Spider-Man become you know Mister Utility Belt Guy and have a special suit for every occasion like Iron Man. You know, I, I I really do like Spider-Man out there in his you know red and blues, just doing his business.
5: You
1: know, but Aaron,
2: think, every
0: new suit's a new toy they can sell. I know.
1: Yeah, there, there it is. I I liked the Tron suit we saw for one issue. I, I thought the Bulletproof suit was a organic upgrade because of his problems. I feel like we're going to see it for an issue or two. It's, I I swear, it's, Wayne's right. I feel like they told Dan Slott, we need a new Spider-Man costume every other month for the next six months so that we can sell some crap.
2: Well, if they're going to sell some toys, I need them to put a spider buggy out there for me.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, and a, sp- a Spider-Ham action figure.
2: And oh, a- yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's Easter's coming up. If they could just brand mm. actual
3: hams
2: as Spider-Ham, that oh. would be awesome. I oh, I would delicious. totally eat a Spider-Ham. Oh, yeah, eat the ass out of a Spider-Ham. That's what I would think. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> mm.
1: mm. i adopt a Spider-Ham.
2: Nothing like a Peter Porker sandwich. Nom, nom,
1: nom.
4: I want to eat. <laughs> damn now i'm hungry let's wrap this up early yeah, yeah. Done. <laughs> Thanks, everybody
5: cue music uh, uh, so, you
1: know who else is hungry man thing yes he that's, is that's what i got
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah last week thunderbolts 155 came out and i gotta say this has been this was my favorite issue of jeff parker and kev walker's run so far i loved this issue
2: this book was just a whole lot of fun oh, so good
3: yeah yeah, no. this was
2: this was the quest for the Thunderbolts mystic agent. And mm-hmm. you know, uh we employ the 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 services of Dr. Stephen Strange, former Sorcerer Supreme, and I just loved it. I thought it was great.
1: And I like and I like Dr. Strange, but I'm really glad they picked somebody who who uh is missing half the front of her shirt. So <laughs> That was awesome. Yeah. Maybe we can get some superior scenes with, uh, her in it. Exactly. And that, that will just up this comic book tremendously. <laughs>
3: A little they can look at each other action. their boobs.
1: Oh, right. oh, yeah, you could have like, oh, there we go, Paul, hold on. I gotta go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I enjoy about this book, the whole book is, is the journey to, uh, to, you know, get Satana into the Thunderbolts. And, you know, there's this whole, you know, uh, fight and brinksmanship and, and whatnot. And at the very end, you know, uh, Dr. Strange, you know, um, uh, uh, puts this, you know, manacle around her neck that's supposed to control her. And she looks over and she's like, what, you know, um, you know, you've got the man thing. She calls it the Vagornis cough. You know, why didn't you say it was on your team before I would have turned myself in. And I just love that y- the mystic folks, you witness that man things on the team and it's like, Oh, okay, we're here. There no problems. We're good.
5: <laughs>
1: best line, best line of the last six issues is, is they're walking through, they're walking through the mountains and uh, Luke Cage is, says strange cage and man think forever. I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: so good. You know, the, uh, what disappoint you know, like, like I read this book and I'm like, you know, I would totally buy a series written by Jeff Parker with art by Kev Walker of Doctor Strange. Oh, absolutely! Mm-hmm. And yeah. the monsters in this, and the way he drew Doctor Strange, it was just awesome.
2: Oh, and you know the the, this- the, the way he's got Doctor Strange, you know, throwing mystic bolts and whatnot. That the, the action scenes were fantastic. There's just so much energy on those scenes.
3: I mean, I know this was a Thunderbolts book, but it was a damn good Doctor Strange book, too, which we well, don't get very often.
2: And nobody's talking about the other supporting character in this book, Doctor Strange's mustache.
3: <laughs> <laughs> His mustache is
2: tight. It is epic. I
1: like the writing, too, because you, you, Doctor Strange has a has, has a very offhanded sense of humor that you sometimes you don't always get.
3: Right.
2: Yeah, he's usually written pretty dry and I, I I found him to be, you know, rather amusing in this. And again, I, I thought I thought his mustache, you know, uh, supported the story rather well.
3: <laughs> There's one page <laughs> where it looks like it's floating in front of his face. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's it is, it, like it is 3D.
2: <laughs> he has got this total Tom Selleck stash thing going on in this in this book. It's awesome. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Now there
1: we go. There we go. Marvel Marvel movies, Tom Selleck is Doctor Strange.
2: I do have a question, though. Doctor Strange works a spell that makes Luke appear as Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange appear as Luke, right? Yes. Um, So essentially, Doctor Strange is wearing blackface in this uh, this comic. Doctor Strange is a racist. I think that's what we're saying.
3: I think that's what we were supposed to get out of the book, actually. (laughs) That's the point. Thunderbolts was
2: awesome. It just continues to be one of my favorite books that comes out from Marvel.
3: Agreed. I mean, th- you know, and I was going to drop it, and I'm thankful I didn't because, man, I just loved this issue. Yeah,
1: I'm really well, glad we shamed you into staying on, Paul, and you should be glad to. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, but you guys didn't shame me into buying Ultimate Doom. Well,
2: that's your too bad because Ultimate Doom ended the trilogy that has been the uh, downfall of Reed Richards as a hero and into a villain. And this book ended big. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was, I had big concerns about how this was going to wrap up because a lot of times Marvel lets me down in their endings. And, uh, I I thought this book did it exactly the right way.
0: Yeah. I like that. We did, we never really got the complete picture of everything Reed was doing Mm -hmm. because it all fell apart for him. Right. You know, he thought he was so much smarter than everyone else, and there was something he didn't take into account. Sue Richards. That's right. Or I guess not Richards in this world. <laughs> Sue Storm. That's right. Sue Storm. S- Sue Grimm. Soon to be Sue Grimm.
2: I wonder if she'll hyphenate. Will she be Sue Storm Grimm? Because Storm Grimm Grim ha- Storm. has kind of – Grim Storm. Grim Storm. I like, That's it. A- I, like- I-, I do like it. I think I'm going to change my name. Ooh. I'm going to hyphenate my name. I'm going to be Grim Storm.
0: Ooh,
3: head Grim Storm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I really love all the changes that we saw from this series you've got Ben Grimm is no longer this rock thing he's a fairly powerful human that can change back and forth you know not into a rock form but in this an energy being you have Reed becoming a bad guy Uh, Sue and Ben getting engaged Spider-Man realizing that you know Reed was after him for his intelligence not because of his powers just all these turning points all in this one miniseries. And, of course, you know, we
2: do find out that Nick Fury has that uh, men in black little strobe thing that wipes your memories, but he keeps it under his eye patch.
0: I just like how efficient Nick Fury is. Yeah, I mean, that kind of caught me off guard. I had to reread that page to figure out what just happened here. (laughs) Well, you see, he wiped your memory. That's why you had to go back. I think that's the case. You were disoriented. (laughs) And then I knew what was going on, and then I forgot
2: halfway through the page again. I know. It's very disorienting. Yeah, this book, things happen fast in this book. And that's, uh, you know, we have essentially had a 12 issue maxi series that was broken up into three, four issue mini series. I can't wait till this is collected. This is something I'll absolutely have in one volume because this thing had a definitive beginning, middle, and end. And unlike so many other uh, stories of its magnitude, actually delivered. At every point of the way, there was at no point when I was reading this was I going, you know what? I think they're off the mark. Um, I I think I think that this book was just consistent from beginning to end. And when I say consistent, it was consistently fantastic.
0: Yeah. And this individual issue had a beginning, middle and end as well. I mean, there are great character moments. Ben does not want to believe that this is actually Reed and he's doing everything he can to try to figure out if Reed's been controlled or corrupted or something. And there's that great conversation where Ben just keeps asking him, you know, what was the name of our eighth grade teacher that tried to kiss me? Which was incredibly creepy and fun question to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Great
2: stuff. Um, I, I, I am excited that, uh, you know, Reed wasn't captured, that, uh, you know, he's still out there to, to, to be the next uh, villain in another story.
0: I'm and he's excited. he's been deformed by the torch.
2: Yeah. Apparently apparently rubber melts. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Well, have no fear, I think. uh, Reed Richards will be back.
4: The only thing to fear is fear itself. But I do not fear fear itself. This was uh, the prelude to fear itself. and uh, Basically lays out Sin and uh, Baron Nemo having some fun hijinks in the desert. What would you guys think about it?
2: I thought it was a great uh, prelude to the story. You know, I... I I have not been jazzed about the prospect of the Sphere Itself event until I started seeing some of the artwork come out Um, because the the premise just didn't sound interesting to me. Now, I enjoyed this story a great deal. I thought it was a nice setup, but I, I say that cautiously because I don't have a lot of faith in Marvel's
0: ability to deliver an event that I'm happy with from beginning to end. Well, at this point, do we really know what the story even is? Because all the previews haven't really given us much about what the actual overall story is going to be. Did the prelude actually give us something?
4: Well, you know, less the prelude, but more, you know, for comics that came out this past week, there was a feature in the back talking about the, uh, the Honored. And apparently these are the name for the people who are going to be wielding the, the very large hammers that have been appearing uh, through Marvel continuity and uh, uh, The Worthy. Uh, In in that actually little bit, that little blurb on the back of these books gives a very, I I think, a pretty good glimpse of what Fear itself is going to be about.
3: Yeah, you know, I've actually been avoiding reading those blurbs because I don't want, you know, I want to go into Fear itself knowing as little as possible.
4: Because well, then let me go ahead and tell you exactly what this is.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I usually go into all these events knowing like all the shit, right? Like I look up the spoilers, I try to find out as much as I can, and then like there's no surprises. You know, it's I want to go into fear itself not knowing anything.
1: Well, it's time to fear the spoiler. Andrew hit him. He deserves it. He's done it to us. You do yeah. you do like to bring up the solicits
4: a lot, Paul. I Fucking do. Hell. I do. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, well, Fear I... Itself, the comic book event of 2011, is coming soon, and here at Marvel HQ, we're too excited to keep all the cool details under wraps, Paul. So each week for ah, the release of Fear ah, Itself number one we're ah, showing you something new and exclusive about this event in the pages of your favorite Marvel comics. That's right, the Mighty Thor and his father Odin square off in Fear Itself number 1.
3: How are you doing there, Paul? Did it hurt? Did it hurt you a little bit? I thought you were going to have an aneurysm
4: there. Take a breath. <laughs> well, you know, basically, the prelude, I, I was kind of split on the prelude. It seemed like an elaborate, expensive way to retcon in the location of one of these three hammers uh, into Marvel continuity. I mean, it was okay. It was kind of nice seeing World War II. I really enjoyed the World War II aspects of it when yeah, they do I the too. flashback scenes. But it seems like a lot of work just to say there's one of the hammers hidden here.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, it seemed, uh, let's be honest, this issue probably was a throwaway issue. It, it probably didn't add anything to the story other than giving a little hint about the hammers, which we already got from the preview art. Um, but, I mean, overall, I thought it was a pretty decent issue. I had, some, well, I had some genuine concerns about it, though. Well, let
2: me just say that I found this Captain America story much more satisfying, engaging, and welcoming than the Point one Captain America story.
5: <laughs>
2: I, I, seriously, I mean, I, I if you had taken this story and put it in the point one, I think your point one would have been more effective. Yep. I mean, who doesn't want to watch, you know, Captain America fighting, you know, occultist uh, Nazis and, you know, the uh, frost giants or whatever that they summon up?
4: And, and that is exactly is, why I'm excited about the Captain America movie, because it's yeah. going to be Captain America beating up on Nazis. Oh.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just awesome. Did anybody else feel like the whole Red Skull, you know, trying to bring over something from the other side? Did anybody else get the Hellboy vibe from that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was definitely. like, okay, so they're trying to, to summon something from the other side, and the weapon goes elsewhere. I'm like, this reads just like Hellboy number one to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, not only that, so Red Skull... You know, is, uh, you know, he, he, he brings down this hammer from, you know, they have a, we're a, a place as yet unrevealed. The, know, other side, frost, the other side, Paul. The other side. They're fighting frost giants, you know, all this crazy shit happens. You know, Red Skull, mass murderer. And at the end of the day, Namor, you know, wants to go after Red Skull because Red Skull has murdered some Atlanteans and used their blood in the ritual. And Captain America goes, no, uh, Bucky's cold.
5: We're not going to go after
3: him. <laughs> well, it's Seriously. not just, <laughs> not what just happened. Bucky's Bucky cold. Bucky got wet.
2: <laughs> Somebody peed on he's Bucky.
3: Like, <laughs> Bucky got a little wet, and now he's cold. So, no, let's let the Red Skull go. Even though he's right there, Bucky's cold. I, I, that just bugged me.
4: Clearly. You know, I also liked how all through the the flashbacks you see all this great World War II, you know, tech the half tracks, the old transport planes, and then Namor is tooling around. Namor, Captain America, Bucky are tooling around something that looks like out kind of a sci-fi movie.
2: What's well, Atlantean technology?
4: Well, I understand that, but still, it's pretty. It's just it just seems unfair. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Does uh, the, Red Skull's daughter? Um yeah. I, I guess her Sin. name is Sin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't you feel like I? I think there needs to be more of a contrast made between the gruesomeness of of her face versus the rest of her body. I mean, I, I really think they need, she needs to be a total butterface, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I, you, she you need to be going, hey, you know, check out the backside on her, and then oh dear God, you know. But they <laughs> well, I, I, they're not playing that up, and I think that in the design of the character, I think they need to play that up.
3: Yeah, I, I'm not sure how she got the red face because, I mean, she's not really drawn as a red skull. She is drawn as like a bald woman, and her face is colored red.
2: If I recall correctly, her face like got burned off. Oh, okay. I, I'm trying I'm trying to remember that, and, and maybe we'll wiki that here in a minute. But uh, I seem to recall she had some kind of accident
4: that caused so, for, that. so, So, you know, pro tip, if you actually get your face burnt off, that is not how it heals.
2: <laughs> just, just is that not how it, and or maybe she cut it off maybe she cut off her own face Ugh. but I, I, we'll okay. look that up and we'll come back and report
3: so for th- those of us who picked up the prologue we're on for fear itself yeah i think so i hate I'm myself of a little issue. bit
2: for saying that but yeah
3: <laughs> but you know what you know yes it's m- written by matt fraction <laughs> But it does have art by Stuart Amonin.
2: Yes, it does, and that's a big selling point. And speaking yeah. of of awesome art and Matt Fraction, what about the uh, preview page at the back of that for the Mighty Thor number one with uh, Fraction and, and Olivier Copiel?
3: You know, I, I want to. I'm going to buy the first issue. I am too. But Fraction, you know, I've not dug his Thor stuff. Yeah, but it's Olivier Copiel. No, but that just means it's going to be delayed all the
2: time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's got Galactus, Silver Surfer, and Thor, and that page looks awesome. And you know, I, I, I'm going to pick it up and give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot.
4: I'm just saying. I'm going to give it the first issue. I'm just saying. I mean, the Silver Surfer are both here and in his own mini series with no skin. I don't. It just it breaks it breaks suspension disbelief for me. How can he be in both places at once, Aaron?
2: That I know it's hard. I know it's hard, and I appreciate you picking up Jonathan's uh, you know rant there, new Jonathan. Marvel
4: uh, never does that. They're so good about continuity.
2: I know they are. I know they are.
4: Not continuity, continuity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
5: no. Avengers Academy number 11.
2: (laughs) Well, Avengers Academy number 11 uh, was recently released, and uh, we had the startling appearance of uh, Michael or Korvac Returning to the Marvel Universe um, At the end of last issue Vale had opened up the gate To the other dimension Hopefully to re- to bring Janet uh, Van Dyne, Pym, whatever the hell name She's gone by, formerly the Wasp uh, Back into the uh, the Fleshy world of man And it turns out not to be
0: her So much
2: Stupid Veil vale.
0: <laughs> I like that it wasn't actually Korvac himself though Because that's what I thought was going to happen
2: Oh yeah, you thought that the, the person coming through was gonna be Korvac?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Korvac just shows up after going, Hey, give me my wife. Now I gotta say Korvac um is one of my uh favorite villains, hearkening back to his appearance back in the in the old Avengers. Uh, fighting them in the in the original Korvac saga, I just loved those books. I I read the covers off those books, so this was a major geek nostalgic rush for me having Korvac back in, uh, in 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 the Marvel pages. That was awesome. Yeah, I
0: really like how his wife was portrayed in here too. Mm-hmm. That she's basically tired of just giving in.
1: So did it do justice to the the previous the previous Korvac run?
0: Here, Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought that
2: uh I thought that it did a uh it was a sufficient homage to it and was true to the character. Um and you know, Korvac's a badass, you know, he they in the in that original story he had uh you know, was like Supreme Being kind of power. So, you know, it's consistent to see him hand the the Avengers their ass when they come trying to rough him up. Um I loved you know, we were just complaining in the last issue about Vale, you know, and, and how, you know, she, she just really hasn't figured out, you know, uh her role within the team and that she's, you know, a great big pity party, oh, I'm gonna die I gotta Dr. Pim's gotta hurry up and cure me and I'm fading away. Oh no, I'm fading away. But uh this issue, she has a little turning point on that and realizes realizes that Dr. Pim's not gonna save her. She's gonna save herself. At least that's what she likes uh. to think. <laughs> right. Oh no, I'm fading
0: away. So many bad choices. So many bad choices. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I like the uh, their ending to this book. I uh, I'm looking forward to the next issue, but I don't see how these characters can possibly take out Korvac, even with the future versions of their bodies.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't buy that they're going to be ones that take them out I think that they're going to definitely be a power push to help the Avengers take this guy out
2: well you know so you've got Gar Logan I mean. here helping out you know <laughs> yeah you know, yeah Changeling they're helping out so yeah I don't see I I don't see how this plan can fail
1: I like how Striker got the evil goatee that was that was kind of funny
2: too <laughs>
1: <laughs> like we all saw that coming right
2: yeah, I, I dug this book, though. I dug it. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. And I think this Korvac story is going to be a three-issue story, if I recall correctly.
1: But it's just going to be contained in the Avengers Academy pages? Yes. Oh.
2: Yes. So, anyway, very excited. I dig it.
3: That's was a good book. Yeah. So... What did you guys think? You know, because you guys, you know... You you pulled me in. You you didn't pull me in on Avengers Academy, but you did pull me in on that last issue of Fantastic Four. Mm -hmm. So I picked up Future Foundation number one, the relaunch of the, you know, the Fantastic Four franchise without Johnny Storm, but with Spider-Man taking his place. And uh, issue one came out this week. Jonathan Hickman, Steve Epting. What'd you guys think of FF number one?
0: Eh. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I, uh, I'm not sold and I'm not pushed away.
4: It's just, you know, meh. it was pretty meh. The only the last page was the only thing that really kind of got me jazzed about it, but everything else was just kind of filler, fluff, set in the stage maybe a good way to put it.
0: Mm-hmm. There are some cool filler fluff moments though. Like when uh Peter goes to sit down in a chair and Franklin tells him you can't sit there, that's Johnny's chair. Yeah that was a really cool moment and seeing that the re- the only reason peter's on the team was that johnny left a message saying that he should take his spot i enjoyed that too
2: now what i particularly enjoyed was you know the dinner scene with uh the prayer that franklin offers <laughs> dear dear God or other similar Judeo Christian messianic figure, or the ancient <laughs> ones, or some weird evolutionary something or other, or some random confluence of events that resulted in the perfect conditions for life to flourish on this once barren, desolate hunk of rock. We thank you for and then someone goes, <clears throat> Oh right. Or Mephisto, the devil or some other evil incarnate being. Hell yes. <laughs> we thank you for this wonderful dinner. Amen. <laughs> You know, I thought that the I enjoyed the book, but I thought the strongest pages were the first five. You know, where uh, Spider, where you know Reed is listening to Johnny Storm's will, holographic will, um, and then we see you know them pulling down the four sign and putting up the future foundation symbol, and then you know Spider Man swinging in and having that conversation with Sue, and I, I just I, I I thought those pages worked really well. Um, And then the rest of it's really kind of what you were saying, Andrew. It's a lot of it setting the stage. You know,
0: laying down the groundwork for what what else we're going to see in the future Foundation. I I, think the idea of uh, third-generation unstable molecules is pretty corny. Oh, you see, and I thought that actually made sense.
4: I did, too. I like that.
0: I thought, that is a natural progression of that technology. That made sense to me. Yep. It just means more costumes that you can sell Spider-Man toys of.
4: (laughs) Well, sure, sure. Well and I also really enjoyed at dinner with uh Nathaniel actually standing up to Reed. I, yeah. I thought that was great.
0: Yeah, for me definitely the strongest pages were those dinner scenes. The uh you know, not letting Peter sit down in Johnny's chair, the the prayer and then Nathaniel actually telling Reed. I think that's a terrible idea. And that whole awkward moment of, <laughs> What, we don't do that around here? Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: I liked it. I, you know, I, I, I know you guys weren't you know, particularly jazzed by it, but I thought this book did what it set out to do.
4: Well, you know, I don't – it wasn't oh. bad. I just wasn't – it didn't get me excited for number two. I mean it wasn't a bad book. I just – until that last page, there wasn't anything that was really drawing me in for, to buy it, to spend the money to buy a, a second issue. But go ahead, Paul. Sorry to get you off there. Well, I was just going to go over my favorite scene of the book. It's a Spider-Man.
3: Lands on the roof of the Baxter Building. It is still the Baxter Building, right? Yes. Okay. And he goes, huh, I thought there'd be a door. And Sue Storm pops up and she says, oh, there is. You just have to know where to look. Well, the entrance is wide open, young man. You coming in? I'm like, is she hitting on him?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Reed does ignore
2: her an awful lot. She is throwing out that saucy hip there.
5: I mean,
3: come on. You just have to know where to look for the door. The entrance is wide open.
5: Yeah. I
3: just know. saying. She wants some <laughs> uh, spoiler sausage.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, I, I actually wondered that myself until she uh, she killed the mood asking about his aunt. Yeah. <laughs> How's oh, you know? Know? He's, he's all ready to go, and then you got to bring up the aunt.
3: Well, she's a cock tease. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what it boils down to.
2: Now, I would like to deviate for just a moment and talk about how much money – the Fantastic Four or the Future Foundation must have because, you know, they've got all those nifty toys and they had to go through the expense of rebranding all of their equipment like the Pogo plane, the Quinjet and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And you even see it on the cover. You know, you've got, you know, the, the Fantastic Four all wearing their new Future Foundation costumes. And then you've got that little bitty, uh, you know, Fantasticar or whatever you want to call it that's already been rebranded in less than a month. Just saying.
0: The Fantastic Four are are crazy with the cash. Nathaniel came back from the future. I think he just told them what to invest in.
4: <laughs> well, and think about it. how many patents does Reed have out there, bringing him in constant piles of money. A gajillion. Yeah, just about
2: a gajillion. So, anyhow, I, I dug it. I dug it. I'm in for the next one. I, uh, oh, and know, uh, Paul, I, I'm afraid you may, maybe you didn't catch this part of the book, but fear engulfs the Marvel Universe, and the worthy will rise, armed with powers that may surpass those of Thor. But what <laughs> role do the worthy play in reshaping the Marvel Universe? Where does their power come <laughs> from, and what makes them worthy?
4: Damn you, Eric. Watch out for the serpent. Watch out <laughs> for the serpent. <laughs>
3: Well, you know, sometimes I, I sometimes the less I know about a book, the more I enjoy it. You know, like I'm trying to do with Fear itself. Um, <laughs> but you know, sometimes I get burned when I when I pick up something that uh, I don't know much about. You know, I just pick it up based on an interesting cover or a concept. And uh, this week I, I I finagled Tim into picking up Lorna Relic Wrangler from uh, one shot from Image Comics. So, Tim, what would you think yeah. of this uh, book? <laughs> well,
1: here's, here's what I can say in defense of Lorna Relic Wrangler. If you've ever been a fan of Archie comics and you thought to yourself, you know, I've been picking this thing up for 36 issues just once. I'd like to see if Betty is a G-string girl. You would like Lorna Relic Wrangler because it's very much drawn in that Archie style, except – it's a little more sexually charged, I guess you could say. It's a very much a cheesecake book. But mm-hmm. as far as, like, the content itself, not really digging it.
3: Yeah. Uh, Lorna Relic Wrangler – I mean, Tim kind of described it to a T. It's like, imagine Veronica. I guess more Betty. I don't know. Who gives a shit? Am I really going – That well, do I really Veroni- care?
1: Yeah, Veronica's the bad guy. But yeah.
3: All right. As uh, as an Indiana Jones type character, but like you said, it's you know it's it's Archie it's an Archie comic with more cheesecake in it, and um, you know I I just you know the preview art of it kind of made it look like a Bruce Timm type drawing, and that's what excited me about it. But damn, I hated this book. I hated this book. I literally had I put the thing down like three times. And I was like, no, I said I was going to read it. Some somebody's going to probably read it, and uh, I was right because someone did read it. And you know they'll be pissed at me for making them read it when I couldn't get through it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and it, some of the some of the like the art at the back was better drawn than the stuff at the front. Like they've got the one shot of Lorna holding the crystal skull or whatever she's holding. I'm like, yeah, it's cheesecake, but it, it's a lot more stylized or a lot more i don't know I like that art better than the the you know the
3: jughead art we got in the front of it so yeah. and it's not even well written that's the worst part no, of it it's, that's it's a truly written book but yeah so uh I, I unfortunately, I cannot recommend it. the book just it you know it's it's really kind of
5: crap <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah i i
1: wouldn't I wouldn't recommend throwing no money on this guy either.
3: Yeah, but you know sticking with the whole not big 2 category um almost all of us read uh Soldier Zero from Boom Studios uh this week um last week issue 6 came out and we all got caught up reading Soldier Zero number 1 through 6 it's from the Stan Lee's new you know line through Boom Studios uh Soldier Zero features a uh, a handicapped man in a wheelchair who is uh, who shares his body with an alien soldier from outer space? Sounds exciting, right?
4: Well, yeah, I gotta tell you, I haven't read all six issues. Uh, I think it's a it's a fun little book. I don't think it's groundbreaking or something you just have to get out and read, but uh, I, I really kind of enjoyed it.
2: <clears throat> and, and and I'm with Andrew. I I I'm sorry, Tim. You were going to say something. Go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say you can tell that it's it's written in a very old school style because the The pace is very slow in these books like i I'm just i I don't feel like it, the the story was moving along too well. I don't have any major problems with it. you know I thought that the the handicapped superhero was kind of a cool thing granted it's it's been done before you know with box from Alpha fight. Sure. And I, and I know I just got, uh, you know, the Jonathan Landreth listeners uh, ears when I said, you know, it's a lot like box. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: um,
1: yeah, I, I you know, my my major problem other than the pacing was the dude's feet
2: I, on, on Soldier Zero himself.
1: Yeah. Off right. Him. He looks he looks like a kangaroo rat.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> a
1: kangaroo rat. Yeah, he, he's got these big, they're bigger than clown shoes feet. And his, it, he even says, What's up with that? And the alien costume's like, This is how I'm used to it. Deal with it. <laughs> like, yeah,
3: I've, I've got a look. I've, um, got, I've
1: got a look. <laughs> you look like a rocking chair, is what you look
2: like. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed the six issues that I read, but I, I, I and, and I'll continue reading Soldier Zero. Um, I had a couple of problems with it. One of which is the art design of the character. Um, I, I did the 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 feet are a little goofy, and I'd like to see that you know uh, get a little bit more streamlined, a little bit more slick because it just looks awkward to me right now. Um, and I think a lot of the and, and this is a, an artist issue. I think a lot of the uh, uh, figure drawing. And a lot of the blocking and acting on the characters um, is a little wooden. I just I think it's an, an issue where the the artist is not as skilled as perhaps a Marvel artist might be. Um, but my big issue with the book is that. Over uh, dramatization of discrimination against people with disabilities and people harassing, bullying, etc. People with a disability, like the the little crowd of kids that walk by the disabled vet in his wheelchair and
0: giggle at him, or the site at the beginning of no one allowed in with wheelchairs.
2: Yeah, I mean this, this is first yeah, issue. you know, and 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 we do live in the 21st century, and there is a federal law called the Americans with Disabilities Act yeah that sign would get the business shut down, yeah I mean, if you don't have a ramp to get into your store, you can't do business in america that is that is the law, you know yeah,
3: no, I have right. a, you know, when I first saw that, I thought we were looking at some type of alternate reality, yeah, you know when someone put that sign up, I'm like, okay, this is some type of alternate reality where you know handicapped people are I don't know you know there's some type of something there, and no it it was supposed to be the real world and in yeah. the real world, that just doesn't happen, right, right.
2: And, and and that that frustrated me. It's something that frustrates me, you know, on the TV show Glee, with the the over dramatization of people harassing people in the Glee club, you know, and, and that and I know it's done for dramatic effect, but it irritates me, uh, among other things, on that show. But it, that, that's what really bugged me about this book was, you know, oh, you know, he he, he is is disabled, so he's outcast from everybody, and you know maybe. Maybe you know we're just a lot more uh, you know in tune with with disabled Americans, but um, I just I, I found this book so ridiculous as as to warrant uh, comment on that because it just bugged the shit out of me.
4: Well, uh, two things: one, they did really kind of go over the top sometimes, but at some points I kind of liked how they slipped it in, like where they were uh, going to the, the meteorite uh, party shower party. And, and they realized that the that the building they're in didn't have an elevator to get to the top. And
2: that I thought was fair. That I'd you like. know, I think that is something that people that people might not think about. But you know, just the overt you know ridicule and you know, sorry you can't shop here, you know, uh, it almost made it feel like the nineteen sixties.
4: That that was ridiculous. Yeah. And the second thing is that, really, you watch Glee, really,
0: <laughs> really. I
2: am, so- I am sometimes in the room when my wife watches it.
0: That sounds like I, excuse. I unfortunately <laughs> have to say the same thing. See, Wayne knows what I'm talking about. I, I hate that show. my Wayne feels doesn't. my pain. I do.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I I like this book. I just had a real problem with that. And hopefully as it goes on, we're going to see less of that.
0: You know, I'm more looking forward to seeing what some of the other Stanley books were from this run. I mean – I don't want him to have completely lost his touch and lost touch with reality, but that kind of is what I think happened with Stanley. Lee is yeah, that he's, he's kind of lost it. But I am curious about some of the others like uh, Traveler looks really interesting. Yeah, but he didn't write this. That's the thing. Right.
3: You know, he created these characters, which I can imagine is Stan, you know, someone sat Stanley in a room and said, hey, Stan Lee, uh, why don't you uh, come up with some shit off the top of your head? He's like, how about a guy in a wheelchair who gets taken over by an alien? Run Excelsior! with <laughs> Excelsior! Excelsior. <laughs> and I'd imagine that's how Stanley contributed to this book, um, which is actually written by Paul Cornell. And I of, like Paul uh, Cornell. DC Comics.
2: You know, I generally like Paul Cornell, but I just did not much care for this book.
4: I'm not familiar. In with terms
2: Paul of those aspects. I mean I do like the book overall, just those aspects uh, I didn't
4: care for. Well, I think Tim might have hit on why maybe I like it when he, when he referred to it as – you could tell it's kind of an old-school – type story so far because i I, maybe it's just partially nostalgia but i really think it's a fun fun little story
5: Mm -hmm.
2: so uh which of the stanley boom books do we want to read next week there's starborn there's traveler
4: i thought we said we were
3: gonna read yeah i go starborn
2: starborn Starborn. let's do it
3: you know um at the end of every issue of soldier zero they had a preview of starborn Mm -hmm. and uh it seems interesting to me the the art looks looks kind of cool and it's it's written by chris roberson who uh you know, I, I think I was making fun of a couple of weeks ago for taking over – or a couple of months ago for taking over the uh, Superman title from JMS. Yeah,
2: Well, I'm on it.
3: Sounds so good. Check back next week for that.
2: So we do have a contest going over on uh, uh, ideologyofmadness.com right now. You can win free – geeky clean soaps those are the boutique soaps uh that are made with a a geeky point of view so there's a a dalek soap and there is a uh soap with a dye in it and go to the website you'll see it we'll link it in the show notes uh five lucky winners will win geeky clean soap packages so uh you've got until this coming friday which i believe is april the first
3: correct Uh,
2: um So you've got until uh, uh, April 1st in order to make your entry, and we will announce the winners on next week's show.
5: I'm a sixth fan of that soap, too.
1: A sixth unlucky person will win some quality (laughs) 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 in-soap.
5: That that. has
2: been used with a curly black hair on it. Uh. (laughs) Oh. Well, you know I didn't use it then. We all know that's henna rents, Wayne. (laughs) Let's see if the carpet matches the drapes.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it does. It very much
5: does. Uh, yeah,
1: uh, it hurts. <laughs> nice. I think, Aaron, if you read one more Fear Itself uh, preview for Paul, he might, he might break.
3: Well, uh, you know, even though this is a comic podcast, if, uh, if you're interested in gaming or anything like that, go ahead and check out ideologyofmadness.com. We have a lot of um, coverage of uh, Fear the Con 4, which is, you know, where we were all last week um or where we all were last week, excuse me. And um you know we we've, we've got some more stuff coming including some actual plays. So some pretty great stuff. We've also got a a uh, Hellraiser prelude uh, supplied by Boom Studios that only a select few sites were uh, were given access to and um is not available in comic stores. So if you're if you're a Hellraiser Clive Barker fan, definitely check that out. Woo! Exciting. Woo! Are we out of time, Aaron? Oh, I see, because we're not, 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 out of time. Ah.
5: <laughs>
2: podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.
5: for cock.